As we come now before God's word, uh, please turn in your Bibles if you'd like to read with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. Here we are now again in this final chapter, Hebrews chapter 13. And before we read, would you please pray with me? Lord, your word tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So, Lord, as we come now to your word, we recognize that this is part of your good and perfect gifts to us. Help us now to hear it for all it's worth, to grab on to this truth and to really be changed and shaped by it. Lord, would you do these things in us? Guide us now by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 here. I want to read just a, a few verses here, beginning in verse 7. This is Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. This is God's word. So now here, as the author is drawing his sermon, the book of Hebrews, to a close, this final chapter here, he's reminding us of what it looks like as followers of Jesus to live in his unshakable kingdom. So we heard from these first few verses in the section just before what we've read today, what we looked at last time we were together, which is uh, that we're to love our brothers, that we're to love the stranger, that we're to share with the needy, that we're to honor marriage, and that we're to be content and so be free from the love of money. We see from this that Jesus really touches all parts of our lives to transform transform all of us into his kingdom. But having said that now, the author spends most of his time in this last chapter focusing on how we're to interact with leaders, especially teachers. We'll save the bulk of that discussion for next week, but before we get to that, it seems as if, I'll just mention briefly, that some of these leaders he talks about in the past tense. They were former leaders. It seems likely even that some of their leaders had died. And so given that situation, the author now gives encouragement, an anchor to his listeners to hold on to with this very famous line, which I want to focus our attention on today. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
I just could not bring us to, to move on without pausing to really spend time with that one sentence because there is a precious, precious doctrine here. The doctrine or teaching that this is is the doctrine of immutability. How's that for a big word? The doctrine of immutability. This is one of the attributes of God. Now, immutability is not that God cannot be muted or, or shut up. So it, it's not like when the phone rings and the TV's on and you can't find the remote and there's that panic of, try, do I keep looking for the remote to try to, to mute it or do I leave the room? That's not what we're talking about here. The mute part of the word immutability comes from an old Latin word which means to change. So when we talk about God's immutability, what we're really talking about is God's unchangeability that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the question for us this morning is, what does that mean? What does it mean that God is unchangeable? Some of us at this point might be thinking it would be a good thought, wait a minute, as soon as you say God is unchangeable, doesn't Jesus change at least in some ways? I mean, before long, we're going to be in, in the Christmas season. They're already starting to put things up in the stores. And, and, and at Christmas, we see the baby Jesus, the infant child Jesus. And Jesus is not a baby anymore. So doesn't that mean that he changes, at least in that way? And you would be right. There are many ways in the scripture in which we're told Jesus does change. Let me go through just a, a few here briefly. Jesus, the Son of God, we're told, became flesh, which means that he became human. Jesus has always been God. He is never less than God. He is not now less than God. But there is a point at which Jesus was not man. And so at some point he became man, and he now still is God and man forever. But there was a change in his humanity. Also, when Jesus was a child, Scripture tells us that he grew and became strong and full of wisdom. So Jesus, at some point in his earthly life, uh, matured in his body and in his mind. There is a change then in his growth. Then as an adult, when he was doing his ministry and traveling around, we're told there are, there are some places where Jesus did mighty works and miracles and others, other cities in which he did not do those things. So there's a, a change in the way that he uses and expresses his power. And the author of Hebrews earlier in chapter 4 tells us that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And when he learned obedience, that doesn't mean that he was disobedient before or that he had to be straightened up and, and you know, somehow whipped into shape. We know Jesus has always been sinless. It means that his obedience was proven through his suffering that his pain showed his obedience. So there was a change in his obedience and suffering in that sense. And then finally, Jesus submitted himself to a bodily death on the cross, that at one time his body was alive, and at another time his body was dead. There is a change there in his life. So there are many ways in which Jesus changes. 
What we cannot do in relation to this is say that the changes of Jesus were just part of his human nature and somehow explain it away that in, in his divine nature he's unchangeable, but in his human nature he changes. No, we see some sort of changes even in God the Father. There are a number of places in the Old Testament where we hear the scriptures talk about God relenting. I know some, some translations say that God repented or that God regretted. Those translations are unfortunate because it makes it sound like God was somehow mistaken, uh, that there, somehow he made an oops or, or even sinned and needed to fix it. That's not what we're after. Uh, one example is that before the flood, God looks upon the wickedness of man and scripture tells us that he relented or he was grieved. He was sorry that he made man. These things are very complex, but it at least shows us that God has some sort of change in his mind in some way. So when we say that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, we can at least know and be clear that, it's, that Jesus is not just static like a frozen statue whose, whose face is totally unmoving. There are some ways in which God changes, but he is not subject to change in the same way we are. He is not bound to change or carried into change. So he is not bound to be changed by nature, for example. Jesus is the creator and upholder of the whole universe, and it's the potter who molds the clay, not the clay who molds the potter. Jesus is also not bound to change by sin. We're told that Jesus was tempted yet was without sin. Sin has never been Jesus' master. He, Jesus is morally perfect. He cannot and will not change for the worse nor will he or can he change for the better because he cannot be more perfect, which means his love will not grow less. His love also cannot grow more. And finally, he cannot be changed by time, just by force of time. Jesus has never been created he is infinite God before finite time. So just as God the Father said, said to Moses, I am, Jesus says, before Abraham, I am. And just as Genesis tells us in the beginning, God, John tells us in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And just as God says, I am the first and the last, Jesus says, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and who is and who is to come. For us, change is put upon us, especially from the outside. We are changed by nature and by sin and by time. But Jesus is greater than all of these. He is not subject or bound to be changed by them. It is no wonder then that we sing, On Christ the solid rock I stand. We even named churches that, uh, like solid rock just up the way. Because rocks are, are really the closest thing in our world that we can compare this to. 
We know God's completely stable and unchangeable immutability is clear in the scriptures. One of the most common images in the Psalms is of the Lord, our rock and our salvation. And yet we know that even the strongest rocks that we're aware of are nothing compared to Jesus because even rocks are subject to nature and sin and time. There's a famous structure, I guess I can call it a structure, in Malta, which I had to look up where Malta is. Malta's a little island. It looks nice if you're up for a vacation. Malta's a little island just south of Italy in the Mediterranean Sea. And there's a place on the coast of Malta that's called the Azure Window. Azure meaning blue. It's called the Blue Window because the Azure window is this stretch of rock that comes out of the land and into the sea, and it creates this giant archway that is 92 feet high and almost as wide, which means in this blue stretch of sky that you can see through the rock, you could fit more than one of our church buildings in that space. The Azure window is, is a famous spot to, to take selfies and, and for cliff divers. And at some times, this has now changed, but at some times you could drive your boat through. And even movies and advertisements have used this because it's just stunning to look at. Now, you can probably feel this coming. Two years ago, on March 8, 2017, a big storm came across the coast of Malta. And at 9.40 in the morning, the waves hit the rock archway of the Azure window just right, and there was a crack, and the whole thing collapsed into the waves. This beautiful stone window of sky, who has been around for who knows how many centuries, in a moment was gone. Now, we know, we know in our minds that God is not like this. Of course he's not. God is far greater than the rock azure window. And still, still, however, many of us in a small place of our hearts may sometimes wonder if God is somehow like this. Not that God himself will fall, but that God may change especially that my relationship to God may change. And that if the, if the waves hit it just right, it might crack. That even if that rock has been standing for a thousand years, for a thousand and one years even, there will be a thousand and two, year 1002, and then the crack, and then what? So it will help us to worship God and to walk with confidence before God to see the ways in which Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he's the same in that 1,000 second year and every time thereafter. Jesus is not the same in every single way, but Jesus is the same. He is immutable. He is unchangeable in the most important ways. So in the rest of our time, I want to give us just four ways in which Jesus is unchanging. These are a solid rock for us.
that will never fall into the sea no matter what hits it. So here we go. The first, Jesus's truth never changes. His truth never changes. You'll recognize this section, I think, uh, from Isaiah, where the Lord speaks about this uh, broadly. Isaiah chapter 40, let me read just a few verses, starting in verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of God stands forever. We hear this section sometimes at funerals, the grass withers and the flower fades. In fact, I know even some churches say this together every time they read scripture in their gathered worship services. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is a reminder that this is a solid place for us to stand. The truth of the Bible is not a wilting flower. It is not brown grass when winter comes. It is not a moving target. And that's good because so much of life feels like a moving target, doesn't it? I mean, just when it comes to, to, to food. You know, I try to be healthy. Don't ask my wife just how much I try because it's less than it ought to be. But you know, I, at once in a while, I want to eat something that's not a candy bar. And the, the, the good fats and the bad fats and the healthy, you know, things, triglycerides and things I can't keep track of just seem to, to be changing. Even the food pyramid, which I grew up on, do you remember the food pyramid, is now been replaced. It's no longer uh, recommended as a good measurement of what is healthy. And this sort of moving target in relation to food can just be maddening. The Bible is not like this. The truth of God's word will never change. So don't miss it. It's an unchanging truth. Seek after it and, and listen to it. We know that while the truth of the Bible can be difficult to, for us to understand at times, uh, we can continue to pursue truth. We can continue to grow in our knowledge of the truth of God because the truth is not shifting or fading. It doesn't need to be reworked or reinvented every decade. The truth of Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's the first. The second unchanging piece is that Christ's offices never change. Christ's offices never change. Now, this is a strange term, I know, to some of us to talk about Jesus's office. We know it does not mean he leaves his desk in the same place and his filing cabinet because it's too heavy. That's not what we're talking about. In scripture, we see and we call these things three offices of God's relationship to man. Those three offices are prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. 
And at various times in, in the people of God's history, various men filled those roles. But Jesus forever stands in all three of these offices, that as a prophet, Jesus is the very word of God forever, that his message is a lasting one of repentance and pardon of sin for all who believe. That Jesus is the priest, the high priest forever, whose, off, whose offering of a sacrifice for sin is only once for all time. And that as a king, Jesus' throne is forever. His kingdom is unshakable. In his offices, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Third. Third one. Jesus's purposes never change. Jesus's purposes never change. My purposes sometimes change. Our plans often change because of various reasons. We're confronted by maybe different weather. Maybe I've got a different mood or a different level of energy. Maybe I've got different circumstances that have, have changed. Maybe I've got different information than I assumed, but none of this is true for God. God knows all and ordains all things. His plans never need to be altered by something that was un unknown or unexpected. He talks about this later in, in the book of Isaiah in chapter 46. Let me read here, starting in verse 8. The Lord says this, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. Calling a bird of prey from the east and a man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. He will do his purposes. There are times then when God's plans are hard, difficult for us to face. Here, specifically, he's talking about his plans to destroy Babylon because of their unrepentant sin. But we also know that his plans of love for us are just as sure. The scripture tells us that in Love, He chose and predestined us for adoption according to the purpose of his will. That you did not choose God, that God chose you. It is his purpose to save his people. This is not just a vague hope from God. Sometimes we hear Jesus presented as having died on the cross and giving out a gift and crossing his fingers and hope that, hoping that people will receive it. Somehow like he's holding out a little a piece of fish to try to get the, the cat to come out from underneath the porch. That is not how Jesus deals with us. The purposes of God, he will accomplish. And when Jesus means to save, he will save. The purposes of Jesus 
are the same yesterday and today and forever. And as reassuring as that is, and these first three are, this final aspect, the fourth of his, humili- uh, his immutability, is my personal favorite. The fourth aspect of his unchangingness, Jesus' character never changes. Jesus' character never changes. So here we're not just talking about what Jesus says, not just what Jesus does, not just what Jesus intends to do. All of this is true is because who he is in himself, his very nature is unchanging. Our God is a unity. That's the reason why we're able to come to the scripture, to study him and to learn about him, because from the pages of scripture, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, we see lots of different cultures, different times, different people, different places and situations. Some of those seem familiar to us, some seem totally foreign, but over all of it is one God, and his character is unchanged. What is true of him on one page will always be true of him on the next page. And what is true of him on that page will always be true of him on the next page. So whatever we see here of God is always true of God. God speaks about his own character and nature when he meets Moses on Mount Sinai. And he speaks of himself this way in Exodus chapter uh, 34, beginning here in verse 6. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. What we see here is the character of God. We see God in all of his mercy and grace. We see God in all of his anger, to which he is slow. We see God in all of his justice against guilt. God in all of his forgiveness of sin. God in all of his steadfast, unchangeable, faithful love. What we do not see here, what we never see here, is God flying off the handle. We never have to look at God and go, whoa, where did that come from? Because whether we see expressions of God's sacrificial love or expression of his discipline out of his anger or even expressions of his wrath against sin, we can look at all of this if we know him well and go, yes, this is who God is. That is completely consistent with his character and this is right and good. 
The fact that God's character never changes is an immense comfort to us because there are few things more frightening. There are few things more frightening than to meet someone whose character, whose very nature changes and shifts, whose character is unstable like sinking sand. All we need to do is ask any child whose parents are caught up in addictions or whose parents are caught in fits of rage or whose parents may be caught up in even mental conditions. For that child, even to come to the dinner table can be terrifying. Because when they come to the table, they never know which dad will be sitting across from them. They never know when they speak whether they will get a smile or a slap. And that's scary. We never have to wonder that with God. We never have to fear that with God. We know there are times in which we may feel the sting of his discipline, and there are times in which we will feel the warmth of his delight, but all of these will always come from who he consistently is as God. This is a source of rest for us, because the character of Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. As we wrap up here, let me just mention one final thing. As we're talking about immutability or, or unchangingness, change, I know. Change it, it, it is a tricky, a, a tricky thing. And lots of people will say, I don't like change. You hear that a bunch. Maybe you even feel that. I don't like change. That's never true. It's never true to just say, I don't like change. What we mean to say is, I don't like the change that I don't like. There are plenty of changes that we wholeheartedly embrace. If you are walking along and see a $100 bill on the ground and pick it up, that's a change. And I bet we're all going to pick it up. Uh, if, if, the, if you come home and the dishes in your sink that were dirty when you left were suddenly clean, that's a change that I bet you feel great about. Or, or the seasons, whether you like winter or spring or fall, there are changes, and I bet even though you don't like the change of one, you do like the change when it comes back into your preferred season. We like some changes and don't like others, so what we really want is to control which changes we're exposed to. That's what we're after. And that attempt at controlling change can, if we let it, make us stubborn. That attempt to control change can make us steamrollers in which we just plow over others. That, that attempt to control change can make us scared. But it draws out quite a lot of selfishness in us. And the Bible means to break us of that selfishness.
Change is necessary for the Christian life. It's necessary for the Christian life. We want God, whatever the cost, to change us, to cause us to grow, to bring us to learn, to make us look more like Jesus. That's hard, but it's possible. And it will help us to submit to God's change in our lives if we look at the unchanging aspects of Jesus. It will be a stable ground for us as we are changing to stand on his unchanging truth, his unchanging offices, his unchanging purposes, and his unchanging character. Our God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Would you pray with me? Lord, these are good and perhaps even in some ways hard things, but we find rest in you. We're now about to sing of your faithfulness, which is completely stable, that you change not, that your compassion fails not, and as you have been, forever you will be. Lord, help us to cling to that unchanging truth so that you would change us. We love you and we trust you and we ask your help in Jesus' name. Amen.